Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. Today, Jen Albright returns to the pod to talk about Starship Invasions from 1977, directed by Ed Hunt. Everybody, uh, today I have uh, Jen Albright back on the pod. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 1977 science fiction oddity. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I can't think of any other way to put it. Uh, this movie came out the same year as Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And if you see it, that will blow your goddamn mind. Yeah. Uh, Starship Invasions. Um, it's so cute! It is! <laughs> the effects in it are adorable. They're very inventive. Uh, there's like lots of cute little in-camera flying saucer shots. It felt very quaint and old-fashioned, and it reminded me a lot of the movie that we did last time you were on the pod, um, Overlords of the UFO. Like, the quality of a lot of those uh, old, old uh, flying saucer pictures. And, yeah, uh, it's very strange to see like Plan Nine from outer space style saucers with combined with actually pretty decent practical effects. There's actually some pretty good um, like I don't know what that uh, I don't know how to describe that like terminal or um, uh, what you would call it where the um, the alien ships of the like intergalactic uh, alliance like actually land. But there's some decent model work or something where you'll have, like, the ships coming into it and then, like, little tiny people walking, like, in the hangar or whatever it is. But it's in the service of this movie, which is so quaint. I mean, Alien would come out two years later. Right. <laughs> the, the feel... Close Encounter is just... the same year. I mean, like... Like, and I swear that they actually, like, there's a leitmotif or a theme in the soundtrack which sounds kind of like uh, the Close Encounters, like, theme. Oh, really? I did not notice that. Yeah, that... Da, 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 oh, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you literally hear... Yeah, like, you hear that... Um, I don't know if you would call it like a, I guess you could say a melody. Um, I'm not a music theorist. I'm just an idiot who watches bad movies. <laughs> um, but God, where, like, where do we even start with this one? Yeah, I don't know. Cause even though the plot of the film is very like, it's, it's pretty cheesy. There's actually a lot of real life UFO stuff from that yes. era going on, which is really fascinating. Um, <laughs> and it's and just incorporated into this, like this very goofy, space opera kind of like plot that's true because uh you do have the 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 storyline which is the clash of civilizations in right. space and uh, technology far beyond human ken or whatever but then you have the human drama of abductions mm -hmm. um 
mass suicides on earth like yeah <laughs> so to to meld the two like you know you got like it's like if you combine babylon 5 with fire in the sky yeah <laughs> yes exactly exactly yeah it, it, yeah it feels exactly like that you know that kind of reminds me of that i don't know if you ever saw this movie it's pretty ridiculous but it was the wachowski sisters movie um jupiter ascending uh, um, that's been sitting on my hard drive for, I think, literal years, and I have not worked up the courage to watch it. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a, I've it's, heard wildly different things about it. Yeah, I would not call it good. It's not It's not unwatchable. It's interesting, It's uh, but it's got a similar thing to like this, where it's got like a very like hokey um, sci-fi story, but it's also this weirdly elaborate mythology that's based on, like, real UFO lore and stuff like that. Huh. Uh, yeah. Now I'm it, actually kind of intrigued, even though I've heard, like I said, I've heard, like, either rapturous praise for it or complete vituperation. Yeah. It's, well, it's an, it's, it's like this film, a very earnest film, you know? It's got that kind of vibe to it, so I think that's, that's one thing. It, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I liked it or not, but it was uh, definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely an interesting uh example of that kind of like jumble of uh, sensibilities but like I I, uh, I I don't even know where to begin with this yeah no it's pretty simple because the the essential plot is that there is a uh, there's an alien civilization um, a spacefaring civilization led by Christopher Lee who god i i love him so much like you put him you could put him in the dumbest outfit doing the dumbest things and he's just like i dare you to laugh and it's like he's he's so fucking cool but um they're led by christopher lee as uh ramses i don't know why he's named after an egyptian pharaoh Um, well i think i think they have they have a pretty obvious like you know like i said this is the era of chariots of the gods pyramid power all this stuff there's like so much pyramid imagery in this movie Oh, I mean, you're right, because, like, if you, be- if you, be- oh, okay, so, um, well, I just answered my own question, because <laughs> when you mention that, of course, like, one of the plot points in the movie is that they, um, I guess, like, these malicious aliens share, like, a common ancestor with us, or, like, we, um, we're the progenitor of them yeah. or something, because at one point Chris really says, we must destroy our own parent race, because they, they basically want to destroy us so they can live on our planet yeah um and they never developed like that backstory of like how that happened like like who who brought them who how that happened like (laughs) oh that would have been that would have been well above the the budget yeah i don't think they could have punched at that level um (laughs) yeah and so so you have these uh malevolent aliens that want to exterminate us and to that end they've been abducting us and studying us and then you have kind of like a space un of uh, bland, unemotional, also telepathic aliens who want to stop it, and they're they're nice to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they take us into their ships, it's for it's for positive ends, and they they don't um, they don't stick probes in us or or take our sperm or anything like that. Um, and there's so that's the backstory, and then um, there are. Uh, some heroic humans enlisted by the the space UN to to stop uh, Christopher Lee's uh, evil aliens. It it's a very stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the humans are Robert Vaughn and a uh, schlubby computer guy. <laughs> now I don't know. Um, I'm not I'm not that familiar with the other actor, but like, I I'll just say it, I love 
I love Robert Vaughn, even when he's just phoning it in like mm-hmm. he is in this movie. And he's done that a lot. I'm sure that he, um, you know, he secured his bag with uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E. Yeah. royalties and pretty much... Uh, you know, just, it was like rolling off a log for him. He just, and, it, you know, he did some good stuff and he did some bad stuff. Like, you know, he did, um, he did uh, Hangar 18. Uh, he oh, did, yeah. That's another yeah. movie I have to be, I am definitely going to be covering on this. Wow, he has yeah. a UFO pedigree, that guy. Yeah, um, he was also the, uncredited was the voice of the evil computer that impregnates Julie Christie in Demon Seed. Holy shit! Uh, directed really? by uh, Donald Camell, yes. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, he and he's got a great voice. Of course, you know he oh, also yeah. was in Magnificent Seven. Like you know, yeah, um, Man from Uncle still has a fandom around it, and I just I I love him so much. Like I'm a huge fan. And in fact, um, when we had uh, Bill Corbett of Mystery Science Theater and Riff Tracks on our podcast. That's who coincidentally that's did a did uh, this movie on the yes, which I highly recommend. It was it was a Riff Tracks. It's very funny. Um, yeah. Please visit patreoncom slash Have you seen this? But uh, when we had Bill Corbett on, um, I think I complimented him on the line from their riff where he calls Robert Vaughn the Yasha Heifetz of blandness. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, you know, that's a very funny line, but I have to confess, I absolutely adore Robert Vaughn. And Bill said, oh, you're a Vaughn-y, huh? Which <laughs> was such a devastating own in a way that I can't, like, put my finger on. But a yes, I, I, I love him so much. I love him and I love, I, I love David McCallum, too. My man from Uncle Boys. Yeah. Um, but he's terrible in this, walked- so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's not given a lot to work with either. I mean, <laughs> no, he plays a he plays a UFO expert who is sympathetic to the plight of uh, abductees. Yeah, yeah. I and you know, one thing I don't like about the movie is like seeing this poor Hayseed shooting himself. Yeah, like that. That it was very dark. So, like, I guess we should explain the what happens in the beginning of the movie so basically this do we do we we basically just open with the farmer right like this this saucer lands in a field where a farmer is on his tractor yes and these beings come out led by christopher lee uh dressed in a very like like ridiculous looking uh one piece outfits with like these uh hats they look kind of like those I guess kind of like those Russian Orthodox hats. Yeah, and one thing I noticed is that all the um, all the male-bodied aliens have the hats on, but the one female alien has long, loose hair. Well, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah, you got to show off those flowing locks. Exactly right. I mean, you know, like you you don't you don't want to confuse like a male alien for a female alien because that would be gay, dude. yeah yeah no homo allowed in space yeah but um there there is a lot of that uh uh i you know i don't want to call it even i mean i guess you could call it sexism but there is a lot of that kind of tone of uh well let's call it the male gaze uh let's take a yeah, page from yeah. laura mulvey and say that this movie does have like a little bit of a male gaze problem but i think we can we can talk about that once we get to the space sex workers Yes. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> oh man, I 
I forgot about them. Um, There's so much in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a weirdly jam-packed little movie. But uh, so yeah, so this this so they, they take this this poor farmer who's on on onto their ship. They do it's like a classic abduction. It's obviously very based directly based on the uh, the one the case that we talked about um, in the previous episode. You're on the Antonio Via Boas abduction. Yes, where he was farmer in Brazil who was abducted by beings and allegedly subjected to well i don't know if it's subjected is the right term but you know he got space pussy <laughs> he got space yeah yeah the, uh, a beautiful space creature uh came and had sex with him and uh and they you know then they just left him back on earth uh but yeah so that's obviously in- inspired by this so they literally have this so he's so they do like an examination of him and then yeah, like the way that aliens harvest uh, human gametes is through sexual contact. Well, I mean, again, we're talking, I mean, in this movie, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because the, they're, um, you know, it's clearly like, you know, we don't, we don't see any, any alien fucking, but it's clearly implied that this, this sexy naked lady alien comes in and has sex with, the farmer that they've abducted, but later when they abduct a family because they need male gametes, um, there, I, I think there's an implication that they take that they take eggs or something from the 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 human female, but she doesn't get a space dicking. No, which is unfair. I mean, yeah, you know. like I mean, she is like and. They even pointed this out in the riff tracks that the farmer is just there kind of looking stupid in his like in his overalls and flannel shirt and a hat. But the when they show the human woman that they abducted with her family, she's stripped down to bra and panties. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, it's um, I don't know. These aliens, they're very, uh, very questionable. Uh, they're they're folks. they are very heteronormative and <laughs> i don't like it no 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 this is yeah it's not not very much room for queerness in the uh at least at least with these group this group of aliens i don't know about the other ones yeah and also hmm. a big push for body positivity could have been possible if they had stripped that farmer down to his uh down to his skivvies yeah, <laughs> I think maybe they were just like, ah, nobody wants to see this guy naked. But, you know. Rude, very rude. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the seventies. <sighs> yeah. Again, this came out the same year as Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I know that not everyone had access to the resources of an industrial light and magic, or you know, the uh, like. They didn't spend a lot of money on Star Wars to make it actually no it's like as, 10 million dollars or something yeah as hard as that is to believe like they it was made like very cheaply for a studio picture but there was still this effort to make uh you know production design d- production design wise to make a lived in universe right and in this movie it's still very beholden to and you know sorry to keep invoking ed wood but that very 1950s vision of space technology where it's like oh a room with a bunch of like vacuum tube stuff in it that's space right honestly just remind me of star trek 
the, the old 60s show. <laughs> yeah, where everything is like a little bit cardboardy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I, I did, I did like the way the ships are uh, shot. Like, there's a lot of really cool, like, um, uh, in camera kind of like shots where you have like the ships, the spaceship, and the, the, and like the the people or real or real life people or vehicles in in the same shot where like that's obviously like a forced perspective kind of thing, mm-hmm. but like it's really honestly it looks pretty good most of the time for for what it's doing you know yeah that's that's and you know we mentioned that right up front but it is wild because they you know they they understood these techniques very well i just i i just don't know if they um <sighs> I just don't know if they understood uh, compelling story or, or character or world building that well. No, it, because <clears throat> cause every every glimpse we have of like the the larger universe of this thing is just like boilerplate science fiction shit, you know. And if you um, you know, if I can detour briefly into the filmmaker himself. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. A true auteur, ladies and gentlemen, because he wrote and directed this. A guy named Ed Hunt. <laughs> who seemed to be, uh, he seemed to have like a little bit of an interest in this kind of um, ufology kind of mm-hmm. material because he made a few other films like along these themes. In oh. fact, in 1985, he made um, an alien slash Christ allegory called Alien Warrior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, Putting, adding that to the list. Yeah, I know, right? Um, it's like how that that sounds at least interesting. The only other thing, though, that I'm really familiar uh, of his like is um, Bloody Birthday. Oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty well known movie. Yeah, like within, I've never seen it, but I know within the movie. right circles, it's pretty well known. Um, if either if you're into horror schlock or if you're just a fan of seeing Julie Brown's tits. Ooh. Yeah, she's uh she not downtown Julie Brown, but um uh the homecoming queen's got a gun, Julie Brown. She looks good as hell, just saying. This is just a side note. I just thought I just thought it was interesting. I mean, during the 80s and uh there were two there were two Julie Browns mm-hmm. and there were two Dr. Dre's. Oh Do you shit. Remember the- <laughs> That's like Do how you- there were two Darrens on Bewitched. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Sargent Dick York. Sergeant, Sergeant York. York. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. That is so weird. <laughs> Only 90s kids will remember this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving all you uh, you uh, Zoomer Zoomer kids out of this for now. Um, <laughs> this is our time. <laughs> you got to read up on your classics, kids. Come on. But yeah. Uh, so where were we? I <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I I um I took us into a detour talking about the the work of the writer director Ed Hunt, but okay. way before that, I think we were we were just talking about the abduction, which kicks off the entire movie, and right. uh, how the the aliens are harvesting uh, human sperm and eggs for reasons. Yeah, and for somehow they deduce from his genetics that they they're related to the Earthlings, and they're somehow a yeah, which of course is not we like we said is not developed, or 
We're not, we don't really get an understanding of how that happened or why, but, uh, you know. Yeah, which is, and also it's funny because it doesn't appear to be a problem for these aliens to, as Christopher Lee's character puts it, um, you know, destroy our own parent race. Like, there isn't, like, a moment of anguish or reflection. I realize that the way the way aliens are depicted in this movie is extremely unemotional and... Um, Ugh, I hate using the word trope, but I don't know if you, you would call that a trope, that um, civilizations that are not human, that are more technologically advanced, are often depicted as somehow, like, above emotions. Like, yeah, they've reached a level of sophistication where they're not driven by these these passions. Or, you know, like, look at, like, Vulcans, for example. Classic example, yeah. Um, but the problem is that it kind of makes your characters a lot less interesting yeah <laughs> i mean like even even mr spock went into pawn far or something occasionally like yeah it was once every yeah. seven years but you had to have some kind of conflict yeah. and he and, and he had of course you know like captain kirk and and bones to play off of you know exactly so, like and these these aliens are just like literally tele depicted telepath telepathically talking amongst themselves none of them ever open their mouths it's always just like you know we um and honestly i gotta get, you know, get credit i'll do credit to christopher lee i mean he's the greatest because like he just he he looks even when he's just like yes like not moving his mouth he looks intense and he he is conveying the emotion of the thing yes <laughs> of the lines that he is delivering Absolute delivering telepathically king like and yeah. you know i mean he's done he, he did all the hammer shit like you know there were classic hammer films but there were also some silly ones and you know he like uh you know he wore weird clothes for the wicker man it's like you can't embarrass the guy like you just can't. oh no no he's and no. a true professional in of of the old school British actor, uh, yes. type of thing, um, but yeah. So you have these supremely unemotional villains and these supremely unemotional benevolent aliens, which I don't know and. Like I'm really th this was before my time, admittedly, but I'm trying to look at it through kind of a 1977 lens when this type of concept of alien civilization was what was out there in the popular culture. But now, like looking back on it, like more than 40 years later, it seems very antiseptic. Uh, it's and I realize that it's because sci-fi has gone in so many different directions since then. Um, you know, kind of the the frame of reference that I have to compare this to is, um, well, like I said, Babylon Five earlier. I'm not super familiar with Babylon Five, but I did watch the entire run of Star Trek: The Next Generation when it was on TV. Um, and you know, I st I'm not a huge Trekkie, but I still consider it like a pretty good show. If you take a show like Next Generation, you had these much more interesting kind of depictions of very different civilizations meeting each other. And, you know, you have the Prime Directive, which, you know, they don't always exactly follow it that well, but that at least adds something which is kind of interesting. And there is an implication of a Prime Directive-like law 
for this kind of this galactic coalition, which is trying to stop Ramses. Um, I think they're uh, obligated not to interfere with humans or something like that. I yeah, forget exactly. Yeah, how it they, goes. They, yeah. Basically, they say not to interfere after they they abduct the farmer. They decide to go and because there is a established base by this coalition or UN or Space Federation or whatever underwater in a pyramid uh, and they go on it's like a little sick yeah it's pretty cool looking I mean and they go underwater into this you know and of course underwater and, and UFOs is very much a trope and actual you know based on I mean I'm not joking it's based on a lot of actual UFO reports they tend, a lot of them tend to happen around the ocean um, oh, that's interesting. Water's... I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of UFOs coming in and out of the ocean and all that shit. So there's like that. I guess because that's a good place to hide. I mean, yeah. It's not like we as a race have uh, easy access to the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I mean, it would make sense. And um, but so they have this base under there, and you know, and that's and that's where he goes. Um, that's where they go, and the, this base is, and they basically, and basically, he's told when he lands at the base not to interfere with humans while he while they're visiting the planet because he lies to them and says, "Oh, we're just going by and studying the humans. We're not going to invade." That's or right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. He and he he lies mentally, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> also, he's greeted by this uh, friendly robot um <laughs> who comes yes <laughs> durble durble yeah durble <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell that comes from but i love it durble um yeah which also another thing that's actually based on actual ufo reports this this creature it's like a ba- uh, specifically a famous early 70s abduction that happened on the gulf coast of uh mississippi i think um mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Pasca, it was the Pascagoula incident where these two guys who uh, were uh, co-workers at like some factory or something nearby, they were uh, just fishing by the uh, harbor or whatever, and they, uh, you know, big, you know, UFO came down, and these robotic-like beings came out. Like uh, they weren't necessarily robotic; they're like, but they moved robotically or something. Basically, floated mm-hmm. towards them and took them above, and they had a pretty typical abduction experience. But it was like the not the, the but they weren't like the typical like humanoids or grays that you would associate with an abduction but um definitely a classic abduction experience but it was like these specifically they were like described as basically looking like what that robot looks like with like these pointy things coming out the side of their heads and everything and claw hands and it was very like 50s b movie looking type beings uh, and right. uh, and so like that that's directly taken from that like they he, this guy obviously did read a bunch of UFO books when he uh, wrote the script to this like he was obviously keyed into that but uh, it's it's just yeah he does seem to have some degree of passion for the material which doesn't necessarily translate to the screen no um, <laughs> the and the the way that um, the way that Durbel and the others of his type that are depicted in this movie are portrayed as, is, is, um, kind of friendly helpers to the, um, to the biological aliens. Yeah. Um, such that, that Durbel's actually ends up being instrumental in the defeat of Ramses. Oh yeah, that's right. He does. Yeah. What a good boy. (laughs) Yeah. Also a kind of like a funny one, like, uh, they greet, they greet Ramses coming out of his flying saucer, like, 
he's like, oh, you know, making small talk with the robot as he's going up there. That's just, I don't know for some reason that just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, so so, you know, so what do you do here? Oh, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, well, and to 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 draw the parallel back to Star Wars again, it, it contrasts with the way that. Um, droids are treated in Star Wars where they seem to be mostly disposable or an annoyance or, uh, you know, like if you look at um, the scene where um, 3PO is talking to Luke when he's, he's uh, you know, in the oil bath getting cleaned up and Luke is working on, on R2-D2 and 3PO introduces R2-D2 and Luke just kind of goes, hello, like it's just ridiculous that he's talking to this little fire plug alien yeah but you believe it i mean it works yeah <laughs> you know well and again it's, it's 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 an example and that's part of the reason why like the the original trilogy is is still so durable is that um with a lot of help uh george lucas was able yes. to create a very believable universe with with compelling characters yeah i mean they're, they're recognizably human and everything and they have like uh i mean even the aliens and that i mean uh, and this one, but yeah, like here, like the robots, just a typical like '50s style, like you know, Robbie from Forbidden Planet or Lost in Space. The you know that just that standard kind of robot kind of character, except even chintzier looking. Like, <laughs> like I thought the I, I, I don't know if you you've ever seen Logan's Run, like the robot in that. It's like one of the yeah. worst, worst robots ever. This was pretty bad looking, <laughs> um, but I, I did I did like it though. Like it does add to the charm of it, but like it's. Yeah, it's not not very convincing. I mean, it is kind of crazy. It's the same year as Star Wars, where you have like these elaborate like like C three PO suit, you know, and everything, and you have this guy. It's just like literally just like silver spanned. It, honest. Well, then again, there was that Elon Musk robot recently, or fake robot. <laughs> that's 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 just a dude. That was just a dude in spandex. So I guess maybe we haven't really moved that far from <laughs> yeah and that's 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 another funny thing which just occurred to me and you know of course i'm being really unfair comparing star wars to starship invasions in in many different ways um a huge different is budget and resources and crew mm-hmm. um george lucas and uh 20th century fox had access to a lot of really great conceptual artists you right know, your, yeah your yeah macquarie's exactly. etc yeah. who were truly visionary in depicting um uh you know a, a galactic environment you know any anything having to do with with space um ed hunt was obviously trying to depict something very close to people's I mean, I'll say actual experiences with with extraterrestrials. You can debate alleged, on like alleged experiences. Yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> we'll say that. Um, uh, these are things which individual people basically um, asserted as being true, and I think there's been there's been plenty of discussion about how much um, uh, alien encounters reflect the popular culture you know like images there's no question that they're definitely influenced by that like the way they're i mean whether or not there's any kind of real experience behind it the way that they're perceived and 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 talked about and depicted absolutely yes yeah i mean like the um the the benevolent aliens in this look a hell of a lot like the aliens in the the original series uh star trek pilot 
Oh yeah, like, the uh, the the big the big cranium dudes with the yeah yeah like it's like humanoid but just with a real big head. It's like okay, that guy must be real smart. It, it which is really funny because um you know like a huge cranium usually just means something like hydrocephalus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> but there's a, but there's an association with like you go back to like the 1800s and stuff and like speculations about. Uh, the evolution of humanity and stuff you like see like these concepts of big brain people who are don't need um don't need uh bodies as much anymore i mean that was kind of like the logic in right. uh, the in war of the worlds and hgl's depiction of what the martians were like is that they're basically just yeah. big giant brains with ten- little bit of tentacles like they've just i mean that that is like an old trope that's sort of like kind of based on like the con the the way evolution was imagined at the time you know like uh, this march towards greater and greater progress you know in human development or whatever so it is that's something that did echo throughout popular fiction too um which is funny because um you know homo sapiens has already evolved a big enough brain that i mean we're like right on the fine edge of like even being able to give birth. I mean, obviously people give natural, like experience natural births every day, but there are also a lot of complications associated with trying to push mm-hmm. a, even a soft baby skull, like through a, a woman's pelvis or like right, a, a right. female pelvis. So, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. So the idea that, you know, oh, well our heads will just get like real fucking big dude. is like, well, that's, you might run into problems with that. Like, unless we, um, suddenly as a race like are able to pivot toward uh growing fetuses like outside of the human body um which is what you do <laughs> like see I... which is actually what you do see in a lot of uh well science fiction and also ufo reports and stuff like there's lots of that like there's always this idea of these yeah. the gray mm-hmm. aliens being like uh clones or being like uh, mm-hmm. some kind of like post biological or post techno you know that kind of thing like so there is that that concept echoes with throughout a lot of like uh, UFO lore and and just science fiction in general. Just this concept of like you, once you reach a certain develop, you don't even need natural uh, reproduction anymore, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, like going all the way back to um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which yeah. you know the the whole conceit around that is a, is an unnatural birth basically i mean in frankenstein it's kind of framed as like not a great idea but (laughs) yeah yeah but but it is it is definitely a constant in science fiction and in general and just the just the the popular imagination about you know future humans and future and what alien civilizations would be like you know and so like it doesn't really so that so that so aliens perceived as these big big headed beings or um or whatever it kind of makes sense in a in a in a in that in that sense in the, as far as like the, yeah in the in the popular imagination sense well and also the idea that you get a lot of the time like you were saying of um you know clones or you know for lack of a better term like test tube babies um you know reproduction yeah. like outside of the body uh, that makes sense too like considering that i mean yes like birth is like a completely natural process that happens you know every single day but it is also like a a complex and somewhat brutal process as well it's like it's yeah i mean it's just i mean it's body yeah i mean like historically like even now i mean it's like people die from it all the time so like it's like definitely something that you imagine in the future like um if you're thinking that if you're thinking of if you're thinking of the future being like where people are 
doing this rationally and logically and, and thinking, oh, well, we're just going to eliminate the thing that's really dangerous. But, you know. That, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how it, what um, humans, how, how it would actually go. But, like, yeah. Yeah, now we're getting into, like, some Shulamith, Firestone, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Second wave feminism kind of shit, which is, which is cool. Like, I don't know how relevant it is to Starship Invasions, but, you know... Yeah, dialectic of sex, like, all that stuff. Yes. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's some... I don't know, it's so sci-fi. I love it. I, I, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the Primo shirt, and it's always good if you can, um... Like, to go, like going back to the seven, second wave, which was, um, you know had to happen was very important like you know drawing anything that you can from that movement without like going into to biological essentialism or turfism is like that's you know that's yeah. that's the good shit well, that is part of it unfortunately but that is definitely i do like that little strand of it where it's like just thinking about things in that that terms where you're just like going so far it's a visionary book in that way you know yeah, it really is, and you you <clears throat> get the feeling that it would still have the power to piss people off today. Oh, absolutely! Like I think it's you know obviously it's it's still um, it's still widely read and in invoked in leftist feminist circles, but um, you know the only like <clears throat> excuse me the only second wave feminist that people talk about now is usually like Andrea Dworkin and like a really negative context and without like really understanding like her work in any depth so um we recommend it shulamith firestone uh the dialectic of sex get it at your local retailer <laughs> yeah oh my god i didn't you know I, I wasn't expecting to go to there today but you know that's a, that's a, i love it <laughs> <laughs> that's how my brain works um i just find this kind of thing really interesting and um these are the kind of rewards you get from watching even a pretty bad movie several times is that um you can at least get kind of interesting things about you know the culture that this movie is coming from like how it depicts the things that it's talking about um you know as you said um this does draw quite a bit from alleged extraterrestrial encounters which is kind of what makes it a really weird outlier i may be wrong because i haven't delved a tremendous amount into this into this particular subgenre but I do like a lot of science fiction so this is a very strange movie from 1977 is like all I can you know all I can say really yeah I mean it comes from the it comes from exactly to the point where science fiction uh becomes a almost a different animal post Star Wars you know like yes like <clears throat> like it's right on the cusp yeah yeah and like I mean, the same year as Close Encounters, which is dealing with the same subject, basically, but in a completely different way. And Star Wars, of course, you know, and it's just like, it's just, it is just really fascinating that this came out the same year as those. Yeah. So, okay. So they need their race to survive. And for that to happen, they need to destroy Homo sapiens. Okay. You know, that's a premise. Um, I have seen this movie several times. Admittedly, mostly with the Rift Tracks commentary, but I think I got the gist pretty well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. So, the, once the, once the Chris Lee uh, malicious aliens have started abducting people, this seems to trigger a wave of suicides. 
Yeah, starting with the farmer. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it really adds a, like a, a weird discordant note throughout the movie that makes everything a little off. It, it is very strange. This is kind of where we are introduced to Robert Vaughn, too. Robert Vaughn is... Uh, um, he's on TV. He's, a, he's a, I think he's supposed to be an astronomer who's also a UFO guy or something, ufologist. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then this farmer approaches him and's like, "Hey, I got abducted," and he believes the farmer. And the farmer gets, of course, roundly mocked by everybody. Now, does he get driven to suicide by by this, or does like he is it literally they activate a suicide ray or something? Okay, this is this is what I forgot. <laughs> this is what I want to ask about because like I didn't I don't understand this because um <clears throat> the way that the way that the farmer's suicide is set up, it's like yes, he you know, he calls um I don't remember the name of Robert Vaughn's character. He calls Dr. Robert Vaughn and he's yeah. like, Would you say I'm crazy if I told you that this that I had been abducted? And Robert Vaughn is like, Oh no, like I believe you and he goes to see the guy and you know, gather evidence about it. There's also a scene where the farmer is telling his story to um, a local police officer or sheriff, who of course doesn't believe him because he says, yeah, I got taken up in his ship and then I had sexual intercourse with a <laughs> hot naked lady alien. Um, this is kind of played for laughs, incidentally. The um, And the actor is, it's a guy called Kurt Scheigel, who... Um, I think he was a boxer. And oh, really? And he had, yeah, he had kind of a little sideline in, in character roles. He was also in Quest for Fire, which is oh, kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but he's really like a, he is like a caricature of, uh, you know, like a, what do you call that part? You know, like a Wisconsin or, or Michigan, like right. those kind of like stolid, um, European immigrants, you know, who still maintain a little bit of the accent, but have like carved a living yeah. out of the, you know, out of agriculture or whatever. It's, you know, kind of a, a, a stock character of the 20th century. And, you know, he's just got kind of like a, an inoffensive sort of goofy face. Yeah. He's, he seems to be quite delighted with himself that he had sex with this lady alien. <laughs> um, I mean, who can blame him? I mean. Yeah. And I mean, hey, like, Hell yeah, dude. Like, you know, you get that alien pussy. Um, <laughs> but then you have this jarring tone shift where you just cut to him alone in a barn and he puts a gun in his mouth. Yeah. And kills himself. And it's like, and I'm not, and I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, I don't like to see negative things in movies. But I do think that it's easier on your audience to have like kind of a consistent tone and these kind of radical tone shifts can actually work really well in unsettling you right right but it's i'm like this is starship invasions yeah like, come on <laughs> like you really kind of made this guy just look like a big old goof and then he's like blowing his head off and <clears throat> so finally that leads me to my question where i was it it um you know the way that this is set up you could frame it as like oh the farmer's killing himself because you know in spite of getting affirmation from dr robert vaughn um nobody in his town is going to believe him right and there could be an implication that he's <clears throat> maybe being laughed at or socially ostracized or whatever and it's like oh shit like damn that's fucked up but then other people start killing themselves like m night Shyamalan style yeah yeah i was thinking that exact same thing it's like <clears throat> did he did like m night see this movie at one point and go oh <laughs> he man he might have He's like, even I could make a better movie than that. Except we're going to make it plants. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so... <clears throat> and, of course, this would probably fit with Ramsey's guy's plans. Because it's like, oh, you know, if the humans just start offing themselves, like, you know, that could work pretty well. But, like, that's not... Uh, I mean... You know, any Nazi would look at this and say, like, my dude, you really have to automate this. This is not going to be the way to do this. <laughs> <clears throat> like, you can't just wait for everyone to kill themselves. So I, I really don't understand what purpose the suicide, the suicide serve in the narratives. Because it's like, is this, um, is this a symptom of some kind of um, human despair or psychological discombobulation is does this serve Ramses and his people's needs like I don't understand it as many times as I've seen this movie yeah me neither it's just that it is it is a such a odd injection of like just darkness <laughs> I mean it's sad. it is unsettling yeah um and I do I will give Ed Hunt credit I do like these kind of inexplicable events that happen in horror movies mm -hmm. like where um where there's just like a tone of wrongness it's like how in um you know i think one of the reasons why texas chainsaw massacre yeah is so durable is just the like fucked family dynamic yeah in that movie like where they sit they sit her down at the table and it's like a parody of a family dinner. Yeah, yeah. But every there's like everything wrong with it. That's the kind of thing in in genre material which really sticks with you. And I guess maybe if the rest of the movie hadn't been so silly, the 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 suicide part would have been would have worked a little better. Yeah. Um I I, do, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's it's that he was... It, like, Ed Hunt seemed to have been working in, like, a 50s or 60s mentality, like, in the late 70s. Like, yes. when it came to, like, uh, like sci-fi. And that's where a lot of the uh, the disconnect comes from. Yeah, because that, that feels definitely more of a 70s thing. I mean, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, free-floating anxiety. It's like, that's 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 very 70s. But it's surrounded by these, um... I mean, it almost... Like, a lot of it almost feels like original series Trek. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, this, the, down to the, 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 the set designs, you know? Like, the, the cardboardy, mm -hmm. like, kind of... <laughs> It's very simple, you know, panels and and stuff. It, it's it's and uh, yeah, um, which brings we should bring us to like the 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 next part. The, uh, the so after the farmer commits suicide, the Ramses and his crew uh, land on this uh, underwater station, like we said, and said tells the aliens who run it, who are these bald headed. Uh, Zeta Reticulans, which is again is another UFO reference, uh, which comes yes, which comes directly from the Benny and Barney Hill incident. Um, I guess like the 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 benevolent ben, uh, I guess the benevolent space liberals come from Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, yeah, and the, and these and where do where the where where Ramses come from? Somewhere in the Orion Belt or something, or I don't remember where they say some was... some chaotic place like that. Yeah, yeah, Sirius maybe <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah yeah serious figures in a lot of ufo stuff too and uh, oh does it oh yeah no i mean i was really surprised at the amount of like little references in there in the movie it was like it's really bizarre because it's like put it in this very cheesy like 
Star Trek like narrative, but it's like very uh, all these weird references to real UFO um, things. Oh, even, oh yeah, even like the serpent logo on. Um, yeah, that actually comes directly from a, uh, a an incident from with a Nebraska policeman in the late '60s named Herbert Shermer, who had uh, he was abducted by this UFO and brought on by these beings who basically were dressed more or less like that. Um, Christopher Lee's those aliens. Um, sure, the the unitard. Yeah, exactly. The unitard with, with weird headgear and stuff, and yeah, and, and but there, but it had it had like he recalled that they had some kind of logo, wing serpent logo. Oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, because it does seem a little weird because it looks like something you'd see like on a biker gang's vest. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's, it's kind of cool looking, but it's like whoa. it is sick. Yeah, yeah. But it's like <laughs> why is are these aliens wearing this? But yeah, no, that literally comes and that I I know that's been that's been mentioned in other accounts too. Well, you know interesting yeah there, huh. it is really weird the little details you would see in other accounts that's like okay what the fuck's going on here with this shit i mean who knows um but as far as the movie goes uh but that is interesting that he is using all these little bits of alien lore and uh or ufo lore like yeah like it's obvious that he's read a lot of the literature <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so this this part I really don't remember very well. There was like some kind of business with the military shooting down at a UFO. Oh right, because um, a, a wrinkle in the plot is that um, the the benevolent UN aliens are also um, kind of sniffing around Earth. I think to see what's going on with all this turmoil which has been happening on Earth, and they're shot down by a, a United States missile. Like oh no they shot down the nice aliens like, but they didn't sh- they should have shot down Ramsey I don't know I don't know <laughs> yeah so on this underwater base there's all these you know hot alien babes in in uh, unitards and stuff like that walking around <laughs> yeah only only women <laughs> only women yeah no 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 exposed uh, no exposed peen or <laughs> or anything <laughs> or or bare chested men or anything it's all just like really buxom you know, space babes. And, uh, there's with a, breathy space voices. Yes. And there's even a part where, uh, Christopher Lee goes into like this lounge area where there's like all these, um, space sex workers, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a space brothel, um, or something. I don't know. Um, and they're just like, Hey, you know, uh, yeah, they're all like, hi. He's like, no, thank you. Or does he kill him right away after that? Cause I don't remember. No, it's, um, <laughs> I I don't think it's implied that he avails himself of their services. He makes note that they're there and they greet him. And um, one of them uh, ends up being uh, some. One of them ends up opposing him later on in the movie uh, when she figures out that um, Ramses has uh, has bad intentions. Yeah. Um. Very a very beautiful redhead named I think uh, Victoria Johnson. Okay. Um. I like her. <laughs> um, I like that um, they actually. I like that they have this little sub narrative where um, you know, kind of one of the one of the the sex workers on this base like uh, offers resistance to like whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she, I forgot that. Yeah, she's one of the ones who actually like is like trying to resist it and everything. Yeah. Yeah, she realizes that you know he and his he and 
his people or, or killing the people in the base and she's able to send like a, a communication like warning people but he discovers her and kills her but she kind of has that little you know heroic narrative which is which is pretty cool and again like she does it like completely telepathically yeah yeah <laughs> no 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 aliens actually move their lips in this movie <laughs> no that's I, mean, I, I will give them credit they do stick to that and it's very consistent yeah. throughout the movie yeah, I guess uh, I guess Ramses is just like you know space Valsel. I don't know. He's just <laughs> 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 he's, he's just like no, thank you. I'm not going to uh, you know leech my precious you know whatever. Well, yeah, that's why he's going around sucking it up from from Earth people. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> his guys are dry. No, but um, and I will mention this briefly as uh as a thing which does kind of bother me about um a lot of. Uh, science fiction Mm -hmm. is it is really through this resolutely male heterosexual Mm -hmm. gaze where um you know if you have anything sexual happening it's like always like super hetero it's like sexy women right and um you know stiff upper lip like space adventurers and this was kind of a flaw of next generation and i realized that it was because you know they were kind of bound to what the network would let them do at the time this was in the late 80s yeah so when they had an episode where Riker, like kind of fell for a non-binary being they were like yeah but can you make it look like a chick because otherwise that's just weird we don't want him to seem gay you know it's like <laughs> that kind of thing and you would think that by like i mean what year does Next Gen take place in like 2300 something. Something like that, yeah. Like, the idea that humans would, who had evolved to that level of like being, you know, beyond like poverty and immiseration would still be like really rigidly bound to these like heterosexual notions of pairing and sexuality or just like, come on. Yeah. Like, and to give an example of uh, something which really subverts that is, uh, and this will interest you. Oh, um, absolutely. There's a script that never actually got made called The Tourist. Oh, 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 by... oh, 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 I know all about The Tourist. Oh, my God. I've read that script, and I um, I used to actually – okay, sorry. I, I, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was this – it was like one of the most legendary unmade movies of the early 80s. Um, it was uh, – who wrote it? What was her name? Read it? Claire Noto. Claire Noto. Who I think was a television writer. Um, and, yeah, this floated around in development hell for many years, never got made, which is – a crying fucking shame if they had it would allowed have been this... so dope it's like it is it yes is, it, it, it's i mean a lot of the ideas were picked from uh where you were definitely the bones of that script were picked for other movies and like yeah but you know you had um like hr giger did a little bit of conceptual design for it because yeah in in the script there is uh, uh you know there's this idea that uh, I mean, the central idea is that there are a, lo- a hell of a lot of aliens on planet Earth that are like under the radar. Yeah, and they're um, and the interesting twist on the script is that these aliens like are trying to get off the planet, but they're all kind yes. of like like con- like exiled there for whatever reason, you know, and they they're just like stuck in this weird uh, existence disguised as humans for the most part, or or like holed up in like this weird. It's like some kind of like club, or not club, but like some kind of like weird uh, place where they're just like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's like a boarding house slash brothel slash like community center for like the alien population of Earth who are like under the radar, and like it, 
you know, God bless Claire Noto because she definitely moved past this idea of like, um, uh, where, you know, aliens are all humanoid. They're all like very gender binary. Right. Um, the implication is that like, there's a lot of freaky shit going on on planet earth because like, there's no like constraints. And so, you know, I feel like it does somewhat betray like a lack of imagination or, um, you know, just a narrow-mindedness on the part of Ed Hunt where it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, if it's a leisure place, like, you're going to have prostitutes and they're going to look like sexy women. Like, come on. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just, like, I feel like you just can't expect anything from that era of people who made those kinds of, that made the, especially in, like, that, this kind of movie that's so indebted to, like, 50s style. It's just such a... I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, and of course you're right, um, because the kind of things which, uh, I mean, it's it's less true now because, like, more people have access to the tools of, of uh, filmmaking and, you know, broadcasting, if you will, like, than ever before. But, you know, at the time, you're pretty limited in, like, what could get funding, what could get shown. So... Um, and this is a Canadian movie, I believe. <clears throat> that's right, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean... I, and I believe like, they are definitely limited by the uh, content of the movie. Cause I know, or at least I don't know. Cause I remember, I know David Cronenberg, there's a lot of controversy with some of his movies about the funding mm-hmm. of them because you know, they're pretty out there. Oh yeah. You know, so. Yeah, definitely. And that was, that's definitely a guy who will kind of like pushes the, the boundaries in terms of <clears throat> sexuality. Yeah, and, for and sure. He's exactly like, yeah, the opposite approach to like someone like Ed Hunt as far as like, <laughs> yeah. And, but I think, um, and it is frustrating me because, um, you know, you are correct that it was hard to get these ideas out there just because of the, you know, the gatekeeping. It's like the people in charge wouldn't give you the money to tell these stories, but you know, these ideas were out there. Um, you know, you had like, sci-fi writing was going oh yeah yeah as far as like sci-fi writing for sure yeah like yeah god like what the the stuff like samuel delaney was doing and shit like that like yeah or like uh you know ursula k Le Guin, like left hand of darkness yeah you have like all Um, kinds of weird um or or you know explorations of uh like gender and sexuality and way yeah oh i mean in science fiction literature for sure that was like yeah full flowering in the 70s but like as far as like science fiction movies or tv i mean yeah movies like zardoz and uh <laughs> yeah or um <clears throat> yeah there's also like thx 1138 where like everyone is essentially neuter oh i mean even even logan's run which is like I guess kind of like it's 70s PG, but like there's definitely some, a lot of sex stuff in that. I mean, it's, it's, that's true. Yeah. There's, it's a, it's a sort of a, uh, it looks like kind of like a, a space paradise of like easy, like casual sex, but you know, with a, with a terrible price. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, so, I mean, yeah, so there probably were, there were, but I don't know. With, with, with this movie, I think it's really just really <clears throat> stuck in a, an, old, an old-fashioned kind of mentality about science fiction. It's really pure 50s um, and before, kind of like, it's really beholden to that era of science fiction. Yeah, 100%. That, um, it does contribute to a lot of the staid feel of it because, like I said, it's like, it's more... Ed Wood than, uh, I'm trying to, uh, it's more Ed Wood than Alien, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> Ed Wood's alien, though. I would love to see him. <laughs> um, Beware of the weird vaginal egg that shows up on your doorstep. <laughs> um, I guess that, uh, uh, you know, Ramsey shows his hand a little too fast and um, the... Uh, the base sex worker is able to broadcast a message that Ramses and his people are, are killing everyone on the space station. So <clears throat> the, the space UN has to get involved. And in order to do this, they need the help of Earth people. Yeah, somehow. And who else are you going to call but a guy who's a UFO hobbyist who goes on radio talk shows sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that is actually an interesting wrinkle in the film that um, is that they actually do comment on what, like, they, they they have access, of course, to our broadcasts and everything. So they're like, you know, you know, yes, no one will believe that guy, you know, uh, ha, 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 ha. Or literally just laughing at us. Yeah, <laughs> like, ah, they're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like when um, it's like when uh, people from the UK laugh at uh, Americans for being provincial and racist. It's like, um, <laughs> y- uh, uh, yeah, hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, pot kettle black. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So they de- they uh, they decide to pick up Robert Vaughn, which is very traumatizing to his wife, uh, played by the lovely Helen Shaver, who some of you might know from the very important early queer film uh desert hearts oh she was yeah okay yeah she was in that. yeah Jeez, okay. she was the uh she was the uh the uptight lead in that who meets a an adorable uh provincial um <sighs> what's the word for somebody who's not quite a femme but not quite a butch don't say futch <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, she deserves so much better than that because she's very cute but yes yeah, so um like uh helen shaver has kind of uh cemented her place in queer cinema history by uh, playing the lead in Desert Hearts, which is a movie that I very much recommend. Um, yeah, so she's she's stuck at home while they take Robert Vaughn off in the spaceship. They have a they have a kid. They have a really weird kid. Yeah, that daughter is strange. She well, for one thing, during one scene, she sees one of the flying saucers um, while they're driving out. <laughs> she's like, "Look, there's a flying saucer." Of course, they don't believe her. Um, and I don't, I'm pretty sure that's the, that that's them, not the other family that gets abducted. No. Yeah. You're right. Because, um, they, and, and they do look for it, you know, because, uh, you know, Robert Vaughn, his character is like a credulous, uh, person when it comes to UFOs, but, um, you know, they're not able to verify what she said. And it's, it's actually kind of funny. She's, she, they, the, the mother says something kind of soothing to her and she says, don't treat me like a child. <laughs> And I'm a grown woman. I'm eight years yeah, old. Yeah, and I gotta say that um, <laughs> as a portrait of an only child of two kind of like white upper middle class intellectuals, it's a pretty accurate depiction. <laughs> I guess so. Like, I guess so. Yeah, like she's doing like a little science experiment at the kitchen table, like when she's first introduced. Um, but but there's another part which I don't understand. Um, relating to the kid, and I'm jumping forward a little bit. It's when the the mom takes her to the grocery. Oh store. yeah, yeah, that's fucking <clears throat> tomato. That is 
Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and they and yeah, because what we see when as they're going to the grocery store is that you know there were like literally bodies lying around the town because you know people are you yeah know, people are capping themselves. The suicide epidemic has started. Like yeah, and then like yeah, and and yeah, <clears throat> so they go to the grocery store and there's like martial law. There's actually literally guards outside of the of the grocery store, and they're going yeah. and they go in and and it's like while while they're just like going around looking at stuff she gets a tomato and she literally just steps on it it's like it's very bizarre like she's like what's going on here and then right after that happens some other lady is like found you know she just killed herself and it's like yeah i'm not sure what the intent of this scene was because um yeah like a stray tomato rolls onto the floor the little girl sees it she kind of gets that like demonic little kid expression and then she stomps the tomato um and you know an employee yells at her but um i don't know what this is supposed to imply like that that's the thing that kids do like oh absolutely absolutely you know if uh you see like a you know a fruit that's rolling on the floor like oh it'd be funny to squish it it's like that's not like this isn't like children of the corn stuff especially not in a town where people are are killing themselves right for no reason um, yeah, and it's and with that weird juxtaposition of like that dead body being discovered right there, it's like, is, is are you supposed to mentally connect this to? Like, is that like some kind of like that? Is this just? It is such yes. a weird. It is such a weird little little thing in there. I don't. I I cannot for the life of me figure out what Ed Hunt was trying to do with that. And, yeah, because the way the the vignette is set up, it's set up like a um, you know, almost like a. Uh, a scare or like a reveal Mm -hmm. in a horror film. Like this is going to tell you something about this child as a character. And instead it just tells us like, Oh, she's a, she's a kid. Yeah. Like kids do those things. Yeah. I mean, it's set up. I guess what I'm getting at is that the way the sequence is shot and, and, and edited, it's set up as very, almost very portentous. And then like immediately afterward, you know, somebody shrieks in another aisle and then there's a, you know, somebody who's killed themselves like in front of the milk. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, we know that people are killing themselves. We see the bodies. I mean, is it like a, um, I know that Dario Argento has talked about, um, and I don't know, I, I'm going to paraphrase how he put it, um, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, he says that, you know, to make a scare in a horror movie, like really have an impact, you kind of have to like, you, you really have to fuck with the audience's feelings in a particular way, which is why it's like, oh, you'll have a guy like slam his knee into the edge of a coffee table. Oh, you yeah. know, like that puts the audience on edge. And, you know, that's not like a kill or a jump scare, but, you know, the audience goes like, Ugh, you know, and then you feel it like it puts you in the kind of frame of mind where you're going to react even more strongly to the, the, the actual scares or kills that you see. Um that's kind of the way this is set up, but you don't get that effect. It's just like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, may, I mean, maybe that's what he was going for. Maybe it was a way of like showing gore without, like, implying gore without actually having to like show an actual, like, like even though there's like actually a lot of shots of people dying with blood on them and everything. There's not like a ton of direct shots of like violence or anything like that. So maybe that's just a way of. Do- I don't know. It. it, it it's a, that's a that's a very Canadian way of showing gore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the whole the whole way a lot of the things that happen in this movie is it feels very Canadian. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, like, okay, so like, 
It's it's even a very polite and kind of bloodless starship invasion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. It is. It is. It's, and it's like when the aliens show up. I mean, Robert Wan. Yeah, he just goes wrong with them. He's like, yeah, it's time to go. Let's go. Let's go do this. Like all that. That also. That's like right. That's just a few <laughs> scenes before. Like the. Like so basically, uh, all this craziness with the the base is going on, and then there's like an epidemic of suicide starting, and then like his wife is like. You know, you're just getting too obsessed with flying saucers, even though that's like what he's famous for, apparently. And like, and she's like, "Please bone me, please. I, I, have not had a good dicking in a long time. You've just been so obsessed. Pretty much, with UFO. Yeah. yeah. You've been so obsessed with you. I mean, in so many words. And uh, and and he's like, "Please pay attention to me." And like, and then you know, he's like, "Okay, you know, they make out." And then like, right after that, the aliens literally land in his yard. <laughs> Typical. Every time you're about to get on the road to Bone Town, that's when the aliens show up. Yeah. Um, saucer interrupt us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the, 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 yeah, the implication is that um, he's so obsessed with UFOs that it's it's starting to damage his marriage. Yeah. Somewhat. Which, okay, like, fair. Because, um, you know, otherwise these characters are just would just be cardboard. Yeah. There's, like, nothing to them. So that at least is a little bit of human something. Um, yeah and you know it shows that he does you know in spite of being absorbed in his work he does care for his wife they still you know they're relatively young and you know in in spite of that and um they're relatively young and they have a kid but they still obviously have like a sexual relationship like there's a closeness to them yeah and it does put a little more emotional resonance to the end of the movie when he's finally yeah. reunited yeah, with the, his family. Yeah, that is true. There is like a little, at least it gives a little bit of a, you know, some human connection for the audience to grab onto. Oh, it just occurred to me, like, I don't know anything about Ed Hunt's home life, but I wonder if this reflects conversations that he had <laughs> in his own home. You know what? I would not be surprised. You know, like, his, if he's like doing research for Starship Invasions, he's like, ah, it's like, Ed, come on. Come on, honey. <laughs> Ed, gotta... come to bed, honey. <laughs> yeah, and um, there's even a line where she says, uh, the um, Helen Shaver says to Robert Vaughn, you know, very indulgently, like, you know, I'm interested in UFOs too. <laughs> and <laughs> which is like, yeah, you know, like couples have like shared interests. You know, I don't know. Maybe they met at like a, a MUFON meeting or something like that. <laughs> um that would but, be funny. Um, yeah, like it, it's it's it is like a, a kind of funny and like human moment of like uh, you know kind of like not you know not wanting to discourage your partner from their interests. You're not telling them like you have to give up this UFO shit, but it's just like hey, like you can have this hobby, but you need to pay attention to me and to our child. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you're missing out on some you know some. You're missing out on some quality pussy, honey. You need to get back to it. Exactly right. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I take a little bit of that uh, middle-aged, paunchy Robert Vaughn loving. I'm I'm not made of stone. <laughs> yeah. It, but and but the, the aliens arrive, like, right after that scene. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's any scene in between that, or is it, like, it's, like... No, yeah, it pretty much happens right then, and then... Um, which is just they hilarious. Made... They're having that conversation, and then the aliens yeah. show up. It's, you know, it's always when you get real that, you yeah. know... Um, the aliens land but um <clears throat> it's something that they they actually made a lot out of in the the roof tracks commentary is uh helen shaver's odd reaction to seeing her husband being taken away by aliens <laughs> is to call his name in a very weird way like ha ha helen <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I yeah, I will have to watch it. Uh... Yeah, no, and um, you know, the movie by itself is uh, it it. You know, some movies without, like, a, you know, a funny commentary, like, you know, that they do for Rift Tracks and Mystery Science, they're, like, kind of hard going without yeah. uh, the commentary. But, like, if you're interested in this kind of thing, um, whether it's uh, ufology or schlock, like, yeah. it is interesting. It's not a snooze fest like Overlords of the UFOs, I no, will say no. that. Though, again, like, uh, Overlords does have a lot that goes into it that is interesting so i mean i and i'm really glad that you brought a lot to that episode because like i i we i think we both learned a lot of things we did not know and i yeah like uh the guy who made it was like a really interesting guy so yeah. it's uh oh by the way if like you ever do anything about that guy please let me know i mean oh yeah to, i i actually kind of do just because it's such a weird little um I mean, nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. Like, yeah. you know, he's kind of a big fish in a small pond. Like, he was a guy who owned, like, some radio stations and was, like, minorly active in local politics. But he was also, like, a UFO guy. It's yeah. Just, it's so weird. He saw ghosts um, in his bedroom. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had paranormal experiences. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that, that movie actually... Um, I, I weirdly i felt like a, this feels like a weirdly kind of a companion piece to that movie in a weird way i mean you know uh i just feel i guess because probably because they're roughly the same era and it, it is it like the kind of the the homegrown yeah almost but the homemade yeah that like handmade quality of like the, the ufo imagery in it um also just the earnestness i mean you know that's also a thing it has in common you know they're yeah, something which definitely stands out in this uh, this age of irony yeah. and postmodernism. Um, yeah, like, uh, and it's clear that, you know, from watching this, um, that Ed Hunt at least had, uh, you know, he'd made films before. He understood how a crew worked. He had a real crew. Um, you can always tell the movies where um, people are working with their friends or, you know, I guess like non professionals. Right. Um, I mean, he, there are professional actors in this. Like, he fucking got Christopher Lee, who is, yeah. is was a legend. Yeah. Um, you know, Robert Vaughn is, uh, you know, he'd probably be regarded, regarded as like B or C list, but he was a name. Yeah. Um, I mean,. Uh, like he's a, he's fucking Napoleon Solo for Man from Uncle. Yeah, I mean it. He it is it has, and I gotta say the movie. I mean, as you know, as silly as it is, it does move along pretty speedily. It, like it does. Like it's not like it's not ponderous. It does not like. It's not like. Um, it's fairly. It's very watchable. It's it it's coherent. I mean. As much as you could say that mm-hmm. about the kind of plot, you know what I mean? It's not, it, it's not, it, it's, you know, it it, it does, it is, yeah. a, there's a story being told, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's true because it's not, um, I mean, certainly on our, on our show, on, on, uh, have you seen this? We talk about a lot about outsider cinema. I mean, movies made by people with very little experience and or understanding of, cinema um and those are interesting in their own way of course but um uh, you know the feel is very different from something made by professionals and like this was made by professionals and i really feel like it's only 
really glaring flaw. I really feel like it's only really glaring flaw is its silliness. Right. Um, I mean, and yeah. Like, and the, the fact that the filmmaker was like very, obviously very in touch with, um, with UFO culture, but I feel, I feel like I can confidently say that he was out of touch with a lot of other popular culture because, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that, that accounts for it's almost, um, yeah. Cause it really is like a fifties or sixties UFO film in aspic. Um, there are like very seventies elements to it, but it, it, it's just like, Oh, like I had the script from 1955. Let's make it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no? Yeah. Yeah. This is another question. Sure. That I have. Um, and this might have a lot to do with my, my ADHD. I'll say that right up front, but yeah. I'm not like that clear exactly how, uh, Robert Vaughn and his friend are able to help the aliens, like, there's an implication of, um, you know, like, mental calculation. Like, they need, they use his brain and the brain of his friend. Oh, okay. I remember. To... I remember. I remember what yeah. happens. Okay, I remember. So, the aliens pick up Robert Vaughn, and they're like, we need your help. And um, our ship also needs to be repaired. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's right. And so, he goes, whoa, I know, if I, I, I know a guy uh, who's, like, a computer expert with very little explanation about how he's a computer expert, what he knows and everything. And they, they literally just stop by his house and he's like watching TV, just, you know, like, like a schlub. He's like, a, I love this guy. He's it's like, he barely says anything in the movie. He's just like this schlubby guy. And he's just like watching a sports game, kind of zoning out. And then like, uh, the, the aliens basically knock on his door or is it Robert Vaughn just knocks on his door and they no, go Robert Vaughn like knocks on the door and he's like oh hey like come on in there's a great game on and and Robert Vaughn is just like oh, come on uh, you need to come with he me and it's like, like uh <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a good game coming on going on come on <laughs> yeah and um and so they yeah they, cuz they get on the ship and then um i for, i completely forgot about the their um ship needing repairs yeah. That's right, because they, they need his help as well. And, I mean, it's funny, like, to think of because, you know, like, what's a computer expert in, like, 1977? Like, we're talking, like, mainframe, like, corporate yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I know nothing. I mean, as much as I use computers, I know next to nothing about how they actually work. So I could not tell you. <laughs> I mean, uh I guess if the aliens are using like a kind of like enterprise software or like uh, I, I I don't know like I'm not I'm not even like knowledgeable enough to like make jokes about this kind of thing like but uh, that but for whatever reason these two these two regular dudes um, admittedly like with you know specialized intellectual careers are the ones who are going to help uh, the aliens right and they and, and they take them both up and yeah, of course the schlubby dude's wife. She sees him leave. It's just like, what? What? What's going on? <laughs> and, I, and it gets reported about in the news, like computer scientists and ast- the physicists kidnapped by aliens, and you know, and and they they fix the they know they fix the saucer, and then there's some other shenanigans going on with Ramses. I don't remember. There's uh, and the <laughs> and but the wives. The, the, both of the wives are, I guess, friends too. And then uh, Robert Vaughn's wife goes over, takes after I think the um, the grocery store incident, takes mm-hmm. the daughter over to the other guy's 
wife's house. There's still the epidemic with suicides going on, too. Yes. And, of course, like, the, the sex worker aliens was able to, I guess, signal for help. And Yeah. So there get... are people kind of, like, converging on Ramses to stop him. But, meanwhile, um, Helen Shaver, she's, she's in the kitchen and she cuts herself. And this is another thing where it's, like, it's not clear what happens. Like, cut away from her, like, nursing her cut finger. Uh, cut to her kid watching TV. Um, yep. something very upsetting on TV about like more, again yeah, more these suicides. like yeah. idiopathic suicides. She goes in the kitchen, discovers her mother on the floor, not not dead, <laughs> but I don't know what happened to her. Well, she sees a Time magazine, a fake magazine, mock-up Time magazine about the suicide epidemic, and with and it literally is like a big illustrated picture of a slashed wrist. <laughs> and, and then she and she's like it looks it's like she like gets the idea like I, I it's like I guess I'm gonna do that too if it's on the cover of Time magazine I mean uh, I don't know but and this is this is a little bit of a, a narrative weakness like she does it in such a way that she doesn't I guess she doesn't kill herself right away because it's implied that they're giving her like um you know because the you know the girl finds her the friend runs in and is administering like some kind of first aid. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, the aliens uh, enter the house and heal her, sit, yeah. revive her. Um, yeah. There is a point before that when, um, because the aliens have knowledge of this, I guess they, they're talking to each other and they say, Oh, we must, we must not tell the scientist what's happening with his wife. Yeah. I know they stop at some point. They're like landed in a quarry or something. Or some kind of rocky area, and she's yeah. like, she's like explaining, and he's like, "What's your culture like?" And he goes, "Well, there's some things we can't. Uh, basically, your, I mean, in so many words, says your puny little brain can't handle it. Just don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, I mean, you like your your puny little your your stupid little race can't even handle breaking out of the gender binary. You think I'm really going to tell you like exactly, the, the yeah, details yeah. of our civilization." Yeah, totally. And 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 so uh and then when they go back on the sh- when they're like he- and they have to go so they head up toward they are going into space and uh the aliens give them like these little pills, much like your vitamins on earth, but wi- much more effective. <laughs> and you know and and Bravon takes one little pill and they and the other guy, you know, he's like he's like his big schlubby or you know fat guy so of course he takes more than one pill <laughs> your yeah because the 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 one the one female big brained alien says your friend has a good appetite which yeah this is what passes for alien humor yeah <laughs> just stating the obvious i mean i assume they're like herbalife supplements or something like that i don't know um i, I, I mean who knows it's just the old food pill like st- like trope from old science fiction you know, you yeah know, which like, is um <sighs> Uh, this yeah, and as someone who actually had, I will I'll confess it on the show. I did have a Soylent subscription for a while. Oh wow, um, really? I canceled it after I got laid off from from my previous job. Um, I might or I might not re up it because I will say for Soylent, like as a meal replacement, it seems to work pretty well because you're not like hungry an hour later. 
Right. Um, I think, um, you know, something about like the fat content or whatever they put in it, like is more satisfying than just like drinking a, you know, a naked juice or whatever. Yeah. Um, whether or not Soylent is actually like really healthy to drink on a regular basis, like I can't say, I'll leave that to nutritionists, but that is a thing um, that you do see in science fiction. Um, the idea of having evolved beyond um, uh, petty concerns like eating. Right. Um, which is like and you know we could probably spend like an an entire two episodes like unpacking this like this this puritanical idea of um you know the more highly evolved a species is the less um connected to the body they are they're more like yeah it's like yeah like the less the less invested in um bodily pleasures they are and you know like soylent was invented by a guy who literally as you know kind of a self-experiment like killed off his own gut flora just to see what would happen (laughs) and it's emblematic of that stripe of you know silicon valley venture capitalist move fast break things kind of guy where it's like i don't even have time to eat bro like i got shit to do like i don't even see the point of food like why would you like who who gives a shit you know or like you know i've also heard this about vince mcmahon um oh really (laughs) yeah where he like he eats purely for fuel um you know like his uh, you know obviously like he's a really ripped guy but like what what does he eat for lunch like he eats the same like like plain like turkey sandwich with like no mayo or cheese just mustard on it like every single day um and like that's a really like you know as someone who really enjoys food like you know soylent aside uh that is a thing that I've never understood that, that, you know, this, this disconnection from the body, like the repudiation of, of any form of pleasure, um, you know, kind of rationalizing the, the food pill or meal replacement approach because it's like, oh, well, you know, like food is a, that's, that's a very, that's a very lowly thing to, to, to care about. It feels very tied. It feels very tied to the old, you know, ascetic, thing you know with like religion you know where you're like yes the, the more you the more you abstain from earthly pleasures the closer you are to god or whatever you know or you're more you know like yeah it's 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 like a secularized version of that concept i think yes exactly right and yeah like that's 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 pretty much like how it plays on this movie like these very these very sterile unemotional aliens like giving food pills which are like you know hey it's a pill but like oh it's you know it's way better than your your guys vitamin pills like your, yeah your stupid mind stupid stupid um, i mean the computer guy is not complaining he seems to like them <laughs> He's too old pills. He does. <laughs> and there was literally a there's literally again I'm referencing Mystery Science Theater, but you know, there's a bit where um the uh you know um the highly evolved uh brain guys, you know, the the oh, yeah, mostly yeah. aliens who carry their brains in, in, in pans. Um Which again I think was taken from the uh Planet of the Apes sequel. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, there were a lot was of it there was the Planet of the Apes, uh Something okay. like that. Yeah, there were, there were yeah. a lot a lot of Planet of the Apes references on um, Sci-Fi Channel era Mystery Science Theater. But yeah. you know, there's a there's a bit where the brain guys explain like they they don't eat food. You know, like the the stupid humans do. Like they eat these pills, which are you know. And and Mike is like, oh, like obviously they're like you know packed nutrition, and you only need to eat like one a day. And they're like, oh no, that's ridiculous. And it turns out that they eat just like bowls and bowls of these pills. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> That's a good joke. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was, it's, it's a good bit. Um, I know that that era was like often criticized, but like I don't know, I like those characters. They're fun. They were they were funny. Like the the problem was is that Sci Fi Channel was like wanted them to have some kind of like overarching narrative, like not understanding why people watch the show. It's like you know, the host segments as as funny as some of them are, are fairly incidental. Like people tune in for the riffing. Like right, and, right. You know, a, a storyline isn't gonna sell that any better. It's gonna yeah. be a niche show no matter what you do. Oh, and there was also another kind of. Uh, quote-unquote truism in this movie when um robert vaughn and his friend are helping the aliens by um kind of plugging their brains into the into the matrix or whatever like the female alien says um you know you humans only use like 10 percent of your brain or i think it's something one like person she said one percent yeah <laughs> which is i mean and we've all heard that oh you only use 10 percent of your brain thing which i think has been roundly i mean it's a complete, yeah it's completely false I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things that's just not even wrong. It's yeah. just like, it's it's just a stupid, it doesn't mean, it's like, it doesn't even mean anything, like, because the brain, you know, brain's always, every part of the brain's being used for something. It just it doesn't mean that. No, like, I have an idea. Like, if I can just hack my brain stem, I can use it to think. I like, think, honestly, brain, if they said brain's potential or something, I think it would be less egregious the way they always say it like that but it's like no you only use 10 percent of your brain like there's just like this sit of un- completely unused brain in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's just like it like it's just like lard sitting in there or something or yeah, like yeah um the story i always bring up so much because i love it so much is that um there was that french civil servant that they discovered most of his cranial space was um cerebrospinal fluid and yeah. his brain, as it was, was basically just like a, kind of like a ring of tissue. Like the the vacuoles in the center had expanded. I think because he'd had a shunt placed at a very young age. Like it had expanded such that his brain was just like mostly not there. But he like had a family, like held a job with like yeah. an IQ of 70 or something like that. But yeah, but like the, the brain made the most use of what cells it had to work with, I guess, is what you would say. Yeah, and I guess that says a lot about, like, brain, you know, the plasticity of the human brain, especially, right. like, at a young age and stuff like that, which is, um, I don't know if that kind of uh, research, like, wasn't around at the time this movie this, it was made, or, like, even if the guy who made it would have been, like, plugged into it, but... Um, I mean, it, it, I mean, honestly, it just sounds like one of those things that was just, like, a, a like a, just a common thing you'd hear. Misconception. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's like you know, you got pyramid <clears throat> stuff in this. I mean, he, he was he was plugged in. It's the same era of, you know, stuff from you know that time. Uh, oh yeah, you know. that's true because like there was a uh, there was a lot of like the seventies was really the rise of that. Um, you know, uh, um, self actualizing human potential movement. Yeah, kind you know, of thing, pyramid which... power. I mean, like energetic whatevers. I mean, obviously a lot of that stuff's still around, but the, the yeah. Same... And the the movie to watch about that is Adam Cur- Adam Curtis's Century of the Self. Yes, um, where he draws the line from uh, the psychoanalysis of the early twentieth century through to Bernays and marketing to these self centered movements of the seventies to you know our disgusting era. Um, yeah highly recommend it but yeah like that that is kind of a funny thing where again it's emphasizing how much more advanced these aliens are because they use their entire brain instead of us 
dumbasses using one percent of our brain (laughs) exactly um so the last stretch of the movie is is a bit more just like the the good aliens are trying to stop ramses's suicide ray from destroying all people on earth and just some spaceships shooting each other i was gonna say space battles you know you gotta have it yeah, I mean, and and granted, I do I do enjoy the way the saucers are depicted. They look, you know, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're you know, it's not real looking, but they're well shot. I mean, it is their, the shots are fast moving. They do feel like they're going fast, and I mean, it it's it's cute. It is. It's like I said right up front, like this movie is so cute, and it's like, yeah, because it's like, oh, you made like a saucer spaceship movie. That's adorable. Also, the oh, what does the robot do? Because I know the robot gets up and. Oh yeah, because the ro- uh, Durbel had been um, incapacitated when um, Ramses and his guys like ran through the the, the base, um, right. but he's not dead or deactivated. Um, he manages to get up, and um, I think uh, he has to get up and like redeploy like a weapon or something, or there's some like miss. I don't remember. <laughs> All I know is like Dur- Durbel comes and get and like you know he 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 um he what he he fixes something he finds a piece of yeah he fixes himself he goes up and he basically stops all the all the aliens at the base it's basically then, it's like R two D two and Empire Strikes Back like plugging into the computer system on Bespin and being able right. to do stuff. Uh, yeah, just less yeah, like yeah. high tech like you know he puts a he puts a computer chip back or something and this is the most Ex- emotional that these aliens get is when you know one of the the male big brain aliens says really good job Durbel or something like yeah. that <laughs> like he's almost he's almost happy yeah and, all, and yeah, I know Durbel has to climb up some stairs so there's like an exciting scene where he's like you know climbing up, up <laughs> making his way up yeah you see a Dalek do this yeah <laughs> and um and uh and meanwhile there's like a space battle and eventually ram i mean um i know ramsey's is oh uh, yeah ramsey's also has like a super big weapon somehow thank you um yeah oh yeah yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you my dear boy he is um, he is a very tall man he is he is i mean he's 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 i mean he's the he's the He's the goat. He's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean, anything he's in, he uh, makes better. I mean, he's just he is one of those guys, and he will always, you know, even if it's a complete piece of shit, it'll. It's always a. It's always a delight, a delight to see Christopher Lee. Yeah, and those are some of our favorite actors on uh, that we talk about on Have You Seen This? Is the, uh, the dogged professional like coping yeah. as best as they can with ridiculous material. Like yes. you really appreciate that from an actor. Yeah, it's I, I you gotta admire that worth it because you know there, there's no like he gives it his all like I said you know even this stupid movie where he has to pretend he's telepathically talking during most of it he is emoting he is in conveying very intense yeah like villainy he's he's the man. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so he's blasting away all these ships coming to the rescue, but then a robot on the base on Earth manages to you know knock out all the bad aliens at the base and so ramsey's the last one standing and then the aliens with robert vaughn and 
I guess the computer guy is still doing something. He's doing some. Ca- he was doing some calculations. That's right to make them go faster. Yeah, and he's doing it on like a little um, handheld calculator too. Yeah, it was like okay, um, all right. I guess it's gonna. Literally, he's doing calculations to make them go faster. I mean, that's all I can. Yeah, like not even one of those graphing calculators they made you buy for like high school math. It's just like it's literally just like a seventies like little desktop handheld calculator. But I guess because like. You know, they gave him sustenance, and then they turbocharged his brain with um, uh, pills, vitamin, yeah, super vitamin pills or whatever they are. Yeah, and know. then they put, um, I think they put, they put things on their head, like headphone things. But it's like it's imp- implying that it's supercharging their ability to think because you know, hey, like if you're a highly advanced alien civilization, you're definitely going to have that technology. Yeah, yeah, you want to think as fast <clears throat> as the ships move, I guess. But it makes your head swell up if you use it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe they aren't. Yeah. Maybe they aren't like post biological post birth. They actually just have. They just get swollen heads from the pills. Just a side effect. Yeah. Maybe it's a. That's what body modification is going to be in the future. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that'd be kind of dope. You just take a pill and you can just like. Oh my god. I'm just saying. I mean, well, I mean, I'm just saying as a trans person. I mean. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, um, and this is why I, I feel like this has a lot to do with, um, why you see a lot of trans people who are either analyzing or producing this kind of genre material because, I mean, it just deals with those home to them. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything having to do with like, uh, and, and it ranges from like these kind of, um, benevolent technological things, like all the way to like being a monster yeah i mean exactly i mean that is always i i it, 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 mm-hmm. it's like you know or or you know think body horror and things like that like it's always have yeah. held, a, held a fascination with me because it's like i guess it reflects a lot of my own relationship with my own <laughs> sense of yeah absolutely and that's why like um uh you know a lot of and you know i'm i'm not trans but because like so much of my social circle and like kind of like political circle is like trans people like now everything i see is getting like gets filtered through that lens and that's why we talk about a lot of like queer and trans topics on the show you know like yeah. um we talked about glenn or glenda a few episodes back oh and, yeah you know it's kind of a plea for for understanding um because it's like hey you know like the people that are considered like outliers or freaks are usually the ones like saying like really important things so yeah exactly and often through like the and often through like genre fiction so yeah um, yeah i mean exactly it's like um because most i mean most things that are aimed at an adult level for people who that aren't genre stuff is usually just very white or 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 or, or very heteronormative or very aimed towards a certain kind of you know what i mean no it's true because um like i mean like and most literary fiction that gets like well i mean i don't know it's probably changing now because there's definitely more of an effort to elevate certain voices or whatever but you know like definitely <laughs> historically like literary fiction has always been very white bougie you know I mean, yeah and i feel that um you know like you were saying there has been a like a slight change but um you know also knowing a lot of queer and trans writers i know a lot of things they talk about is like you know that okay like that works for a lucky few yeah but um you know most of us are still not getting heard or published um exactly. you know which is why um a lot of these kind of um 
these online communities have exploded and like, you know, different venues for kind of like uh, selling your work directly to the consumer, like, you know, Patreon and other things like it. Um, exactly. But there's always that precarity if you're doing something that isn't the kind of thing that you could just broadcast on TV or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, but I mean, that's the whole reason why, like our, you know, on our podcast, we were like, no, like we want to hear from the freaks. Like they're doing the interesting shit. Yeah, that's also where most culture starts anyways, on the margins, you know? Exactly. So basically the defeat Ramses, Ramses crashes on the moon, and... <laughs> yeah, they, they try to get him to surrender, you know, because they are they are um, a peaceful uh, conglomerate of civilizations, but, you know, he's not going to give in. He just kind of, he just augurs it in. Yeah. Um, you know, he's too proud to give up. I mean, they would, I, I'm assuming they would take him to a space Hague or something like that. Probably. Um, yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how punitive the civilization is. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, it would, maybe it would be like, you know, the, the prism thing from Superman two or whatever. Yeah. I was going to say like, <laughs> like if they, I mean, I understand if like, uh, you know, the thing he knows that they're going to send him into the phantom zone or something, yeah. like why he would just, um, kill himself so who knows but you know he's too prideful to give up and so that crisis is averted um the benevolent aliens head back to earth um they drop robert vaughn and his friend off they revive his wife who has been on the kitchen floor this whole time yep and 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 then and then they wave goodbye to the aliens um and that's pretty much it and also with as they're waving the goodbye you can see like it's a big mass of blood stains all over the wife's hand. It's like it's weird. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Bye! And she's got blood all over her. Uh, it turns out she just, um, you know, she just passed out from like awful like menstrual pain. So <laughs> the aliens just came and and gave her like a. They gave her a rely tampon, which uh, I hope she takes out uh within six to eight hours at least, because yeah, that thing's bad news. Um, no, but um. One thing I did for completely forget to mention while we we're talking the whole thing that I'll mention now is the score. Oh yeah. Um, um and this score was uh let me actually bring, I I cuz I want to shout out the guy cuz it's so it's so it's strange. A, um It's a interesting like cool jazzy like uh, <clears throat> I I don't know what what you call that style of it's like kind of jazz acid jazz. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, um the score is by a guy called Gil Millet, um, and he was a jazz musician, and that accounts for the the strange kind of like jazzy feel of the score. Um, but it's also a very busy score in that way that a lot of um, I don't know how far this extends to like mainstream seventies cinema. Like you certainly did see like jazz influences mm -hmm. in uh, movie scores from the sixties and seventies, but um, that that willingness to um drop in very abrupt um and sometimes grating sounds yeah into your soundtrack um you know usually in genre movies like one one really egregious example i'm thinking of is uh the incredible melting man oh which i've never seen actually which has a like a ridiculous score with like um you know odd kind of noisemakers and things like that <laughs> like punctuating the action at weird times um there's there's kind of a, a, a tendency toward that in this movie but the score is so interesting and unique 
uh, even if sometimes it's uh, it's very obtrusive, but also like really compelling. Like yeah. there are. Um, it's busy, uh, you know, but it's 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 definitely interesting. I, I, yeah, because you got like it. you'll have like punchy Portland's horns, and then you'll have like a you know like you'll have like a really fast like agitated drum beat, and it just like it's 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 very weird and funky. And then the final, um, that like the conclusion of it when Robert Vaughn is walking across the field towards his family, like it's like a really. Um, you know, it's like the mood has lifted and it's like a nice, like, kind of like jazzy, like uplifting, upbeat theme. And it's, it, I'm like, if the, the, you know, this movie's corny as fuck and so is the score, but like, it kind of works. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's <laughs> at least some kind of emotional thing to the, to like, you know, it's like, oh, everything is like, I mean, I wasn't exactly super invested in this whole thing, but at least it was like, oh, okay, yeah, good, they're back together, yay. So at least it it got something out of me. <laughs> yeah, and um, just looking at this, um, I, you know, I guess I should mention like, uh, Gil Millet also wrote he wrote music for um some of the big television series of the uh, the sixties and seventies like oh. Ironside, Night Gallery. Oh um, wow. Did wow. a few episodes of Columbo, but he also oh, okay. wrote the score for the Andromeda sp- strain. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another movie I need to add to the list. Yeah. Um, that's one so, of my dad's favorite movies. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And then um, also The Sentinel, directed by Michael Winner, which is one oh, yeah, yeah. watched for a while. Um, so, yeah. So the guy did have like a, you know, he did have a career in scoring, which kind of... Um, uh, kind of explains like why there's like a actually a very sophisticated interesting score for this silly ass movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very strange movie in that like it was distributed by warner brothers apparently so it like mm-hmm. got a pretty big release i mean theatrically it's but i it oh my god my cat just shat out a huge torrent of diarrhea um <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right <laughs> Your cat was like, I hated this movie. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, cat. Jesus Christ. Is she still shitting? No, no. Smell. I'm just going to close the door here. I'm sorry. <laughs> My door is like, it's like right, di- it's right diagonally a kitty corner across from the bath bathroom. So, um. Yeah. So did we, uh, did we kill it? Like, is that the postmortem for Starship Invasion? <laughs> like... Yeah. I mean, I was, ho- I mean, I was thinking, I was hoping maybe there'd be a little extra something at the end, but no, I mean, it, it basically ends where it needs to end. I mean, it's, I, you know, I, I gotta say, I actually kind of liked it. I mean, for what it is, uh, I didn't, I didn't. It is, it is charming. Yeah. Um, that the, the suicide stuff is a little, a, a weird note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um totally this movie has uh, a couple of hitches in it. Um I really feel bad for that that farmer that got laid, but you know, hey, at least he got laid before he died. Um Yeah. Um uh, but yeah. <laughs> he went out with, as, um, with a with a bang before he went out with a <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, like I have to say about this movie that um uh, you know, it it could have just been really dull but it's such an odd creature that it is kind of compelling if you know this is your flavor of schlock and and you know i know that's true if you listen to to my show again that's patreon.com slash have you seen this (laughs) um we do love these sorts of movies that are they have a degree of ineptitude or strangeness to them but there's still something compelling about them and 
the fact that this is a weird um, sci-fi story, but with a lot of the contemporary lore of UFO of UFO culture grafted onto it, makes it worth a look in spite of its silliness. Yeah, and it zips along pretty quickly. It's not. It doesn't drag too much. That's that's. Yeah, thank God. It, it is not Overlords <laughs> of the UFO. Yeah, which which and again has a lot of interesting things to recommend it, but also is yeah has is. That, like I said, very dull spots. So this one actually is thankfully very zippy. Yeah. God bless an actual narrative. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to plug or promote or uh, um, put out? No, that's a, that's pretty much it. If you uh, don't already know, once again, that's patreon.com slash have you seen this? You can also... Follow my podcast account on Twitter and Instagram. We just got the Instagram and we're putting up um, funky, weird, fun stuff there. That's H-Y-S-T pod, uh, all one word, so you can check us out there. Um, thanks for having me, Alex. This Once again, this was really fun. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I uh, Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I need to... No, no. You, if you found the podcast, you know where to get it, so... <laughs> Yeah, just listen to more of it. <laughs> just listen, yeah, just listen to more of it. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.